0: Welcome to The Average Shepherd, my name is Father Sam French, and today is Sunday in the second week of Lent, and today we are reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Let's begin. Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John, and led them up a high mountain where they could be alone. There in their presence he was transfigured. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared to them, they were talking with him. Then Peter spoke to Jesus, Lord, he said, it is wonderful for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when suddenly a bright cloud covered them with shadow, and from the cloud there came a voice which said, This is my Son, the Beloved. He enjoys my favor. Listen to him. When they heard this, the disciples fell on their faces, overcome with fear. But Jesus came up and touched them, stand up, he said, do not be afraid. And when they raised their eyes, they saw no one but only Jesus. As they came down from the mountain, Jesus gave them this order, tell no one about the vision until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. As we move through the three-year cycle of readings, the Church turns our attention once again to the incredible account of Christ's transfiguration on the mountaintop. The transfiguration of Jesus is an event which has inspired artists, writers, poets, and saints all throughout Christian history. There's been so much written about the transfiguration of Jesus, it's hard to boil down its significance into a single homily. But I think the writer who does the best job of condensing its meaning was the great Dominican theologian, St. Thomas Aquinas. He was famous for writing the work, the Summa Theologica, the Summary of Theology, which if you buy it in English, is a five volume set in which he dedicates a whole chapter to the Transfiguration. Now we know St. Thomas's writing is trustworthy, not only because it has essentially been the cornerstone of Catholic theology for the last 700 years, but because before he died, St. Thomas had a vision of the Lord who said to him, Bene scripsisti toma. God speaks Latin, of course, in which uh, in English translates to you have written well of me, Thomas. So turning our attention to his summary, he talks about the significance of the transfiguration and basically breaks it down for us into what I call the three L's, life, light and love. That's life, light and love. So the first point is life, specifically the path of the Christian life. St. Thomas said it was fitting, or it was appropriate, for Jesus to show himself in glory to his closest apostles so that he might show them a glimpse of their ultimate goal of heavenly glory. Now why? Well, Thomas was making the point that our lives can be filled with all kinds of challenges, sufferings, failures, setbacks, disappointments, anxieties, and injustices. Therefore, to encourage Peter, James, and John to endure all of this and to persevere along the difficult path of Christian life, he reveals to them a glimpse of heavenly glory, what they can wait for at the end of the road so that along the way they never succumb to disappointment or despair while they're on the journey of faith. Now, a similar example of this from my own life was during the 30-day retreat at the end of my first year in seminary. It was about day 24, and I realized that my mind and heart were filling up with all kinds of concerns and doubts about whether I could ever make it through the seminary and actually become a good priest. Just when the temptation to leave the seminary was at its strongest, I had an incredible experience of the Lord's presence in my prayer, where he brought to my attention the words of Isaiah. Isaiah which I'm sure that God wants to say to you also right now. And the Lord says through Isaiah, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. This powerful experience of God's love and will for my life became a pillar for me to hold on to for the next five years of seminary. Whenever I became discouraged about my, my direction, I could always go back to that promise that God had made to me on the retreat. In the same way, Jesus reveals his future glory in the transfiguration so the disciples and us, his followers today, don't fall away when we experience the pain of the cross. We can go back to the promise of glory that Jesus gives in the transfiguration. The second significant aspect of the transfiguration is light. So we've looked at life, Christian life, but now it's light. The Gospel writer Matthew tells us in today's Gospel, His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. St. Thomas reflects on the spiritual significance of light. You'll notice that all throughout history, mankind has always associated light with holiness. But we have to ask ourselves the question, why? Why is it that the saints are depicted with halos shining over their head? Why have people, even in modern times, spoken about seeing a kind of light emanating from holy figures like Mother Teresa and Padre Pio? Why couldn't holiness just as easily be associated with darkness? Well, St. Thomas observes that light is the quality by which we recognize truth and beauty. Light is the quality by which we recognize truth and beauty. In other words, darkness obscures things, whereas light illuminates their truth and their beauty now his point here is that we naturally associate holiness with light because holy people reflect the truth and the beauty of god that dwells within them and in the gospel account jesus shines brighter than all of the saints because he doesn't just reflect the light of truth like the saints do he is the truth he is god st thomas teaches that light is significant Jesus began to shine with the radiant light of heaven to attract us towards knowing the truth of God and to share in the beauty of his holiness. So that's the significance of light. Finally, the transfiguration represents love. Life, light, and love. So there were five witnesses to this incredible event on the mountaintop that day. There was Moses and Elijah who represent the Old Testament, all of the law and the prophets and all those who carried the faith in the past. Then there's Peter, James, and John, the apostles who would carry the gospel into the world and into the future. So together with all these witnesses, they represent a kind of a prototype or a microcosm of the church, spread not only throughout the world, but also across culture and throughout all of time. These, these five figures, they represented the whole church. So gathered on the mountain that day, was a communion of faith, faith, who, like us in this church or listening to this podcast, were and are united by their common love of Jesus. So St. Thomas observes that these men in particular were chosen to be at the transfiguration precisely because of their love for God. That's what makes them part of this communion of faith. Moses and Elijah are known in the Old Testament for following the will of God in all things and proclaiming his commandments to the people. In the New Testament, Peter was asked directly by Jesus, Do you love me more than these? To which he responded, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. John is identified in the gospel as the disciple Jesus loved. And James is known for becoming the first martyr, the first to die for Christ. And as we know, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. So we've got Moses and Elijah in the Old Testament, as well as Peter, James and John, who represent love in the new testament the lesson here is that no one can see god as he truly is in all of his glory if we do not first love him it's not enough for us to simply know about jesus in an abstract or an academic way but like those men on the mountain that jesus chose we all need a personal and daily relationship with him This relationship with Jesus, this this relationship of love, is readily available to us in prayer, in charitable works, and the regular practice of the Eucharist and confession. In prayer and works, we come to know him directly and through our neighbor. In the Eucharist, we receive his love. In confession, we receive his mercy. Jesus established his church on earth precisely so that we could come to know him and love him in this way— Jesus sent Peter, James and John and all the other apostles out into the world to establish the church so that we might participate in this community of faith that was present on the mountain that day so that through our love, we too can become witnesses to his luminous glory in heaven. So in summary, the transfiguration is about life, light and love. Jesus reveals a glimpse of his heavenly glory, our ultimate destination, to encourage us through the inevitable hardships of Christian life. He shone with a light brighter than the sun to reveal that he is the source of all holiness, of truth, and of beauty. And the witnesses on the mountain represent the church, the community of faith, which calls us into authentic and personal love of Jesus and our neighbour. Let us therefore pray that the transfiguration, the significance of the transfiguration, can transform our own spiritual lives. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, for revealing yourself in the transfiguration of your Son before your Apostles, who are the first members of your Holy Church. By revealing yourself to us in this way, you give us hope that we too can one day share in your heavenly glory. Give us the grace to follow you in our life, to be illuminated by your light, and live According to your love, we ask this in the holy name of your Son Jesus, through the intercession of our Blessed Mother Mary, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help me spread the word and the Average Shepherd podcast, you can do so by sharing it online or forwarding it to anyone you think might benefit. Thank you and God.